0: Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan, read by the author. Chapter 13 Lorkin, I awoke tied to a pillar inside a roofless ruin of a room. This waking up in bondage and pain was getting old real fast. Fergal was tied to the next pillar over. His chin was on his chest and his eyes were closed. Fergal, I said in a loud whisper. He popped his head up. Connor, you're awake. Are you okay? What the hell happened? I'm all right. At least as all right as I can be in this godforsaken place. The last thing I remember, we got clotheslined. That explains why I hurt so much. Hey, do you still have your banshee blade? No, they must have taken it. Where are the others, I asked. I haven't seen them. Have you seen anybody? When I came to, some short man was tying you up. He was a leprechaun, I think. A leprechaun? You mean a little guy with a beard and a green suit? I chuckled to myself and then started laughing. I don't think he was wearing green, Fergal said. That only made me laugh louder. Connor, are you okay? I thought about this question for a moment, and all of the humor left me. No, I'm not okay, I spat. I had a perfectly good life. It may not have been exciting or important, but it was a good life. No one hit me or made me ride horses or knocked me off horses or wanted me dead or made me sleep outside at night or or anything. The only thing I had to do was homework, which I will never complain about again for as long as I live, which is probably about five minutes because everybody wants me dead. I was babbling now. Hey, why don't you just get in here and finish me off, I screamed. Quiet, Connor. Why? What difference does it make? It's not like they don't know we're in here. They tied us up, for God's sake. And who are they, anyway? Who are you? Get your butts in here and untie me! Well, whoever they were, it got their attention. A very short man with a beard came into view from behind me. It was disappointing that he didn't have a green outfit and a pointed hat. If he did, he would have been the spitting image of one of Snow White's dwarves. He was followed by a bulkier guy who had to be an imp. Is this a leprechaun you told me about? I asked Fergal. He nodded yes. Well, hello, Mr. Leprechaun, I said. Top of the morning to you. For my first wish, I'd like a chocolate sundae with a cherry on... Silence! The little beardy guy shouted. Okay, I said. How about if I cut to my favorite wish? I'd like... Me untied, you boiling in oil, and... Don't forget to leave me that pot of gold. The imp-handed beardy guy in my sword. Is this yours? Well, I said, it looks like it's yours now, you know, finder's keepers. He crouched close and placed the edge of the sword at my throat. I'll ask you again. I could smell his breath, and it wasn't pleasant. Where did you get this sword? I looked him in the eye, and I said do it. Cut my throat. Get it over with. I'm tired of being tied up and threatened. Just kill me and then leave me alone. I actually scared him when I shouted. It made him jump up and back off. He turned to Fergal and pointed my sword at him. Who are you? I'm Fergal of Ore. Or Well, what do you know, he said sarcastically to the bigger guy. A fellow imp. He put the blade to his throat. Start speaking the truth, Banshee, or you won't be able to speak at all. Leave him alone, I said. I was just about to say it again when I heard a voice behind me say the same thing. Leave him alone. I didn't recognize the voice right away because actually I hadn't heard it much. Who are you? the leprechaun said. His question was answered by his imp partner. Prince Araf. Sure enough, it was old Chatty himself. He strode in, followed by Essa and a horde of confused imps. Untie my companions, he demanded. The imp made a move to do just that, but the leprechaun stopped him. Hey, leprechaun guy, I said, don't make Araf repeat himself. He's not fond of saying things the first time. Araf and Beardy stared at each other for a while. It was a struggle as fierce as any sword fight. At last, Beardy gave in and nodded to his imp, who untied us. We stood and joined Araf and Essa. I whispered to Fergal, Prince Araf? Yeah, Araf is the heir to the throne of Orr. Didn't he tell you that? He babbles on so much, I guess I just missed it. I approached the leprechaun. Can I have my sword back, please? He reluctantly handed it to me and said, I would still like to know who you are and where you got this. The business of my companions, Araf stated, is of no concern to you. What is of concern to me is who you are and why so many of my kinsmen are here. The stare-down started again. Finally, the leprechaun said, Lord Araf, if I may speak with you alone. Anything you wish to say, you may say in front of my comrades. This provoked another staring contest. At this rate, we were going to be here all day. Very well, Leprechaun said. May I invite you all to join me in my headquarters for tea? Araf nodded. Hey, you wouldn't have any of that willow stuff, would you? I asked. It wasn't until I got outside that I realized where we were, in the ruins of the Hall of Knowledge. The first thing I saw was a lone standing wall with a beautiful yellow and blue stained glass window in it. The window depicted a woman sitting in the middle of a willowy tree. Amid all of the destruction, it was amazing that the glass had survived. As we walked, imps and leprechauns peeked around corners to get a glimpse of the strangers. Beardy's headquarters had obviously been once part of the great library. Jared had told me that the library was a circular room surrounding a courtyard. What was left of it made my blood boil. I don't even like it when somebody folds down the corner of a cheap paperback. Here, heaped around the room were towers of partly burned books and piles of scorched manuscript pieces. The bookshelves that were still intact were blackened with soot. Who would do this to a library? "'Essa spoke first. "'You are trying to save some of the manuscripts, I see.' "'That was not our intention,' Beardy said. "'But none of us could stand to see it like this, "'so I have delegated a handful of people "'to try and make as much order of the books as they can.' "'And what is your intention here?' Araf asked. "'Beardy straightened and thought for a moment. "'I recognized the look.' I'm sure I had worn it quite a bit recently. It was a look of someone who was deciding to tell the truth or not. I am Lorkin. Lorkin the Leprechaun? I blurted out and laughed. Lorkin and the others gave me a dirty look, and I instantly apologized. I am Lorkin. I was chief engineer in the mines of Dor. Three years ago, I asked Lord Keelty. What he was doing with all the gold now that he had stopped the allowances to most of the Rune Lords. For an answer, he imprisoned my wife in his tower and told me that the next time I had the audacity to ask questions, she would die. Over the next two years, I smuggled gold out to the Rune Lords who had been cut off, and I planned the rescue of my wife. I had not seen her for months. When I finally gained access to the tower, she was not there. I learned that my wife had been killed a month before, defending a fellow prisoner. No one had told me. He paused and then forced himself on. I knew that Kilty would find out I had been there, so I escaped. Ever since, I have been organizing this secret fighting force. We call ourselves the Army of the Red Hand. Our goal is to dethrone Kilty. If your army is a secret one, I said, then... "'Why are you telling us?' "'Out of respect for Prince Araf, I will not lie to you. "'And also because you will not be allowed to leave here "'until we have mounted our attack.' "'What?' Araf shouted. "'I'm sorry, my lord, this must be,' Lorkin said, "'as the room filled with scores of armed guards. "'None of them, I noticed, were imps. "'We drew our weapons, but it didn't look good.' Even if we hacked our way out of this room, there was still an army outside. Put down your weapons, Lorkin said. Your detainment will not be long. Our attack begins soon. The way I looked at it, putting down weapons was a good idea. If these guys wanted to stuff Kielty, I wasn't going to get in their way. I lowered my sword and looked at Arath. He reached into his shirt and came up with a wooden whistle. He blew... Two shrill notes on it that were so high I thought they were going to pierce my eardrums. The effect was instantaneous. At once there was a tremendous commotion outside the room. Every entrance was flooded with confused imps brandishing weapons. Araf dropped his staff and held up his hands in a calming gesture. I found myself standing in the middle of a room packed full of confused and agitated imps and leprechauns, all pointing swords. As usual in situations like this, I laughed. An important-looking imp pushed through the crowd. Prince Araf, what is amiss? Araf glanced at Lorkin. Nothing is amiss, my kinsman. Master Lorkin and I were talking about the loyalty of the imp men, and I provided a demonstration. Well done. Now with Master Lorkin's leave, you may all go back to your posts. Imps. And leprechauns. All eyes turned to Lorkin, who kept his gaze firmly fixed on Araf. We were in for another one of their famous stare downs. As usual, Araf won. Lorkin nodded, and once again it was just Beardy and us. Araf stepped up to the leprechaun. There was so much tension in the air you could swim in it. Araf spoke first. I have no desire to create a mutiny in your ranks, Lorkin. I understand your need for secrecy, and I am not unsympathetic to your ultimate goal, but we must not be detained. Before Lorkin could speak, Araf continued. Let me introduce you to a member of my company. This, he said, pointing to his left, is Essa of Mon. Lorkin looked very surprised. He bowed and said Princess. Essa barely nodded back it was a nice moment by your lady's leave raff said to essa would you show Larkin what is around your neck essa took out the finger-length crystal that her father had used on me do you recognize this raff asked surprising Larkin seemed to be coming a pastime of ours is that an owath glass he stammered it is, Essa answered. I believe the queen of the leprechauns holds the other one. She does. I have seen it. Then you know what it can do? Raff asked. It catches lies. Essa, would you be willing to give Lorcan a demonstration? Essa took off the necklace and held it towards Lorcan. What is your name? she asked. Lorkin of Dor. The glass remained clear. This time, Essa said, I want you to lie. What is your name? I am uh Finn of Dor, Lorkin said. The crystal instantly went black. Why we are here and where we are going, Araf said, I cannot tell you. But with Essa's leave, I propose that you may use the glass to swear us to secrecy the glass will show if we intend to break our vow lorcan agreed we all in turn swore to keep secret our knowledge of the army of the red hand and their planned attack on castle door the glass remained clear lorcan returned the necklace and thanked essa i broke the awkward silence hey what about that cup of tea you promised <laughs> By the time dinner was served, we were all pals, comrades in arms. Lorkin explained that he really wasn't ready for an invasion, but he had to hurry up because of a meeting of the rune lords. What meaning? Raff asked. Guilty has called a meeting of the rune lords for rune casting. We suspect he's going to try and find out where we are hiding. We need to attack soon if we want surprise on our side. Who is performing the rune casting? Essa asked. Guilty said it'll be Neve, but, according to our sources, Neve has been missing for days. We can't confirm this. S and I looked at each other, but said nothing. How long before you attack? Araf asked. I have sent word to all of my reserves to meet here by the end of the week. After that, as soon as we are ready. Some lords are on our side and are trying to delay the meeting. Too long. Araf said, have the imps and the imp-wives watched our crops wither and our children suffer for the want of gold? I do not know Keolti's motives for hoarding so much gold. I only know that I do not trust him. We will leave in the morning. I cannot speak for my companions, but I will try to return to join you before you move out. He stood and extended his hand. Lorcan took it. I stand with my kinsmen, Fergal said. Essa and I stood. I am ruled by my father and do not know his mind on this matter, but I wish you success, Essa said. My future is just too crazy to promise I'll be back in time, I said, but kick a bit of kilty butt for me, will you? Araf and Fergal went outside to address the imp troops. Essa asked Lorcan if we could see the courtyard where the Tree of Knowledge once stood. It wasn't far. The room we were in was adjacent to the courtyard. It was one of the few rooms that had remained whole. The courtyard was strewn with rubble from walls that had been pulled down. The ground was charred like the bottom of a giant campfire. It smelled like an old campfire as well. Essa walked to the middle and scrabbled in the black dust until she found a charred root. This was the tree of knowledge, she said in a faraway voice. I sat in it once when I was young. You sat in it? I asked. Yes, it was a hazel tree. It didn't have the thick trunk like an oak. It had hundreds of thinner branches coming out of the ground. Over the ages, the branches were trained and bent into a living chair. On the day a student left the Hall of Knowledge, he or she would sit in the tree for a leaving ceremony. The student would receive and eat a hazelnut from the tree. It would ensure that the student would never forget what was learned here. Wow, sounds like a heck of a tree. She looked me in the eyes. Hers were wet with tears. Your grandfather died trying to defend it. So did my brother. Her eyes could hold back the tears no longer. I reached for her and she collapsed in my arms, shaking with sobs. I cried a bit too. Together, we mourned a grandfather that I had never known and a brother that she would always remember with the emotions of a little girl. I don't know how long we knelt there. Being brave only postpones the inevitable. Sooner or later, you have to mourn your dead with all of your being. And that's what Essa was finally doing. When her sobs subsided, I picked up my staff and used it as support to help us both to our feet. The hazel staff slid into the ground like it was sand and then stuck there. Essa stumbled. I let go of the stick and held her with both arms. She leant on me until we cleared the courtyard. Then she stopped wiped her eyes, and put on her brave face before we joined the others. I forgot all about my staff. Essa was fine the next morning. We exchanged knowing glances at breakfast. After that, nothing was said. We packed our horses. Acorn had gotten used to the place and was his old self again. Lorkin rode with us to the end of the castle's lands. As we said our goodbyes, I remembered that I had left my staff in the courtyard. Lorkin gave me his blackthorn stick and promised to look after my hazel stick until I returned. Before he rode off, Lorkin said, The Reedlands are more treacherous now than ever before. Who said we are going to the Reedlands, Araph said. There's nothing else in the direction you go. It's a bad place, Lorkin said. This land may be dead, but that place is foul. The last two scouts I sent there have not returned. Be careful. I was looking forward to getting out of the lands. I needed to see something growing again. I promised myself that I would hug the next living plant I saw. That was a promise I did not keep. If I had hugged the first living thing I saw, it probably would have killed me. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening.